You guys, it's been just so close to my heart. What I want to say to you is this. Comfort sometimes is just another form of bondage. Is there anything wrong with being comfortable? Absolutely not. But in certain circumstances, choosing comfort is choosing to remain in a scenario and circumstances because you can predict the outcome of them. You can predict uh, what's going to happen. But sometimes that is just another form of bondage because God wants to break you free from comfort so that you can fully experience all the things that he has for you. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Y'all, I have been chewing on this one for a couple weeks. Like, this is not a fly-by-night message. It has literally been in my heart for like two or three weeks. It's actually the reason that I wanted to extend the Wilderness series. Because, first of all, we heard so much from you guys. And honestly, I probably could preach through this the whole 52 weeks of the year. Um, I am going to stop because y'all know I'm obsessed with Christmas. And we're going to do Christmas every week in December. And we will not skip Thanksgiving either. This message, you guys, after the break, I feel like it's going to set somebody free. I feel like it's going to set somebody free. And you know why I know that? Because my alarm didn't go off this morning. And I woke up one hour and 40 minutes later than I normally do. And I was frazzled and all of that. And so I know that the enemy is trying to get me down, but it's not going to work. Come back after the break. It is a freeing message. And oof. If you need refreshment for your soul, you don't want to miss it, okay? What's happening in my life? Well, we just passed Halloween. Thank you, Jesus. We passed it. (laughs) Newsflash. Now, if you hate me for saying this, I'm okay with that, I guess. I mean, I don't want anyone to hate me, but, you know, whatever. We We can agree to disagree. I despise Halloween. I don't like it. I've never liked it. Ever. In the whole course of my whole life, I have never liked Halloween. Even before I knew the like the meaning behind it, I hated it. I, I, I don't know why. I'm like, I don't like scary stuff. I don't watch horror movies. As a matter of fact, my kids will tell you that when they watch like a scary, even if it's a suspenseful uh, movie, like signs or like, you know, stuff like that. I'll be like, don't open that portal that you know where in our house. And they're like, mom, oh my gosh, chill out. You know, I just, I don't like scary things. I don't, I don't think they're entertaining. Why are they not entertaining? Because they're scary. So I don't like them. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not a huge fan of Halloween. I will tell you this, and you might disagree with me. You may not, and and that's okay. Um, You have your freedom in Christ and I have my freedom in Christ. We do take our kids trick or treating and this is why. Because it is the only night 
of the entire year that we get to interact with 100% of our neighbors. I love living in the community that we live in. I love my, my community. I love my street. I love my neighbors. But you never see them. You know, you let, you see the Amazon guys drop stuff off at their house all the time, but you never see them. And when you don't get to see them, you don't get to interact with them. And I want to know them because I want them to know the Jesus in me. And our neighbors are incredible. And they're like, <laughs> they like our, our one of our neighbors, uh, I think it was two, two or three days ago. Maybe it was the day after Halloween. I'm getting so messed up. And you know why? Because I woke up late this morning and I'm a morning person. Um, our neighbor brought us over like all of these huge candy bars for our kids the other day. He's like, you know, this was kind of left over from Halloween. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like candy, like Christmas over here. But our neighbors are incredible. And I want to know them and I want to be in community with them and I want them to know me and I want them to know our kids and I want to know about their lives because I care about them. And so we do go trick-or-treating every single year and we go up and down the streets and that's, that's why we do it. You can disagree with me if you want to, um, but I feel a very strong calling to our community uh, because I love it and I love these people that live here. But with that, I will say, Haven went to school and she was, um, she was, oh gosh, one of the Encanto girls. I can't remember, but she came home and we do, we have all the princess dresses, the Disney princess dresses for her. And she was like, I am Elsa. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. So we put on Elsa. She, she walked around as Elsa and she, you know, I love a, I love a little girl in a Disney princess dress. I'm sorry. Is there anything cuter? They, they put it on and their demeanor changes. And they're like, you know, feeling beautiful and like all this stuff. And Haven is just like, she fully embraced the role of Elsa. Like I was taking pictures and she was like shooting ice at me. And it was, it was super fun. We were playing and Moses decided he is going to be a Dallas cowboy. Um, and he, um, I think he was Dak Prescott. I think that's the Jersey that we have. And a little man wore the shoulder pads uh, the whole night and everything. And I was like, do you want to take those off? And he's like, absolutely not. Dak Prescott would not take these off. And I'm like, you're right. He wouldn't. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're walking around and Haven looks at me and she, Haven and I are so much in tune. It's unbelievable. She was like, mom, I hate Halloween. And I'm like, I do too. I do not like it. Uh, she's like, I know you don't, mom, but I don't either. She was like, it's scary. Why are we out here? What are we doing? Like all of these philosophical questions. And I'm like, uh, I don't. I don't know. Do you want to go home? Because I just made chili and it's warm in our house and it's like the whole thing. And then as soon as she was done talking, we'd be at the next house where there was a very happy person with candy. And she's like, in a second, and she'd run and get her candy and come back and she'd be like, mom, I hate Halloween. And we'd have the same conversation. Me too. Do you want to go home? And she's like, wait a minute. I want to go to this house and get candy. And she would come back and same thing mom it's so scary out here I just don't like it do you want to go home well no wait hold on we're because you know every house anyway so that's how my um my evening went I'm glad it's over I love November 1st it's to me it starts the holiday season and I love to be thankful I love to be grateful I love Jesus I love that he's born that we get to celebrate that so anyway 
that's what's going on in my life. And I hope that was entertaining to you. <laughs> Listen, after the break, we're going to set some people free. I just feel it. I feel, feel, feel it today. So prepare your hearts. Get them ready. Because we are going to rock through some really, really cool scriptures. I shouldn't say cool. My son said people don't really use that word anymore, but I'm going to use it anyway. Anyway, we're going to go through some really cool scriptures, and you guys are going to like them. Okay? I'll see you in a sec. Don't go anywhere. Hey, guys. It's Autumn, and I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, We all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Okay, guys, I'm back. Um, To set your expectation, I typically have like a really, really intense outline. And today I don't. I have handwritten notes that I wrote because I woke up so late today. So I really don't know. I'm going to let the spirit lead. And as a matter of fact, before I get into this, the text, and I have several of them, I want to just lead us in a word of prayer. We always pray at the end, but I want to start off uh, with that. Let's invite the Lord in to this next little chunk of time that he's given us to be together. Let's, let's invite him in. Lord, we, we know that you are the one who sets the captives free. You're the one. We know that more than anything else, you want us to be free from our sin, free from those things that easily entangle us. We know that you, your goal for our life is for us to live free indeed. So I pray for that heart, that soul today that's struggling with some sort of bondage, whatever that is. I pray, Lord, for that one that knows they need to walk in freedom, but they aren't. I pray for that one that knows they need to change, but their excuses are keeping them from that. I pray, God, that you would set people free today. In Jesus name. Amen. You guys, it's been just so close to my heart. What I want to say to you is this comfort sometimes is just another form of bondage. Comfort sometimes is just another form of bondage. Is there anything wrong with being comfortable? Absolutely not. 
but in certain circumstances. Comfort, choosing comfort is choosing to remain in a scenario and circumstances because you can predict the outcome of them. You can predict uh, what's going to happen. You know where your next meal is going to come from. You know where your paycheck's going to come from. You know this, that, the other. You kind of know everything. You know how to abound in your comfortable situation. But sometimes that is just another form of bondage because God wants to break you free from comfort so that you can fully experience all the things that he has for you. This is so on my heart today because I think of people that stay in situations that are unhealthy. And the only reason they stay in situations that are unhealthy is because they're scared of the risk of leaving them. I think of people that stay in relationship with uh, people, maybe a significant other or whatever, and they know it's unhealthy and they know they're being harmed, but, and I have lived this in my own life, but it's almost as if that is easier than stepping out into something where you don't know what's going to happen. I want to push on this idea of comfort today because here in the this country that we live in we are afforded a lot of comforts and i think the comforts of where we are is keeping us from the abundance that god has for us when we walk through the uncomfortable wilderness to be transported to canaan it's nice to know what your day is going to look like it's a comforting thought. That's why we have comfort food. I love comfort food. Are you kidding me? Like my favorite comfort food would be I make this beef stew and it is like amazing. And every time I eat it, it's like a giant hug. Is there 7 trillion calories in it? Probably. But you know what? I don't care because it's awesome. I love cinnamon rolls. It's wonderful. It's the best thing ever. I, I can eat like six cinnamon rolls. They're wonderful. Um, why do I like them? Because I feel warm and fuzzy and they taste good and they're wonderful. Are they good for me? No, they're not. <laughs> and yet I eat them anyway. Comfort in a church, comfort in a lifestyle, comfort in a relationship can be just a different type of bondage. I think of what I hear from, um, from pastors and from leaders. I, I talk to them all the time. And, you know, that's who our friends are. Like, we have a lot of, like, leader, leader pastor-ly, people-ly, frenzy people in our world. And, you know, it's so interesting. They'll, they'll, they'll tell me like, I had a rough Sunday. Well, why did you have a rough Sunday? Well, it was just a really rough Sunday. Okay. Well, what, what was it about it? That was rough. Well, we got six complaints on how cold the auditorium was. <laughs> I will never understand this for till the end of time. Why people complain about the coldness in the auditorium when people in the scripture got their heads lopped off for following Jesus. They just want to be comfortable rather than care about what the preacher has worked all week preparing from the stage. I had a really bad uh, day at church. Why? Well, because everyone thought that the worship music was too loud. What? Comfortable. 
It's almost like we permit comfort even in our churches because confronting the comfort is more uncomfortable than pacifying the comfort. Sometimes we have to confront our comfort and say, is this comfort in this situation, in this relationship, in this scenario, in this whatever, in this mentality, in this system, is this comfort actually worth it? We've got to confront it. Do I want to live comfortable forever or not? I told you guys. I told you. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Not sorry. I'm really not sorry, but I am sorry because I know this is going to come off a little bit harsh. We've got to start confronting our comforts because we don't want to live comfortable, right? The Bible doesn't say live a life of comfort in Jesus name. Amen. We don't want to be comfortable. We want to be free. And sometimes comfort feels like freedom. But it's actually a different kind of bondage. So let's go to my text. Numbers 11. Now, I am I'm tripping out over this passage of scripture. I, I, I already preached this whole message to my husband. He had just come in from a run, and I'm like, sit down. And he sits down, and he listens. He's like, oh, no, she's got the colorful uh, paper tabs for her Bible. This is, this is about to go down, you know. Anyway, so I'm going to take you to Numbers 11. Now, Numbers 11, Moses wrote Numbers, um, and, you know, congratulations, he wrote a lot of the Bible. Like, like not only did he lead the nation of Israel for 40 years, I mean, he was a pretty accomplished dude. He also wrote a lot of, uh, you know, the Bible. He wrote uh, many, many books. Oh, my gosh, Autumn, get it together. I want to camp on two verses. I'm going to read a couple of verses, but I'm going to camp on Numbers 11 four and five and six. Okay. 11, four, five, and six. Now the people, now this is when the nation of Israel is wandering in the wilderness, wandering. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. You know why? God don't like complaining. He's like, dude, I just delivered you from bondage. What are you complaining about? You crazy people. And the fire of the Lord burned against them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. You know it's bad when that fire that is leading you (laughs) starts breaking off and starts burning up the camp. You don't want that fire to get any hotter. Uh, The people therefore cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died out. Oh, I could pray. I could preach on that. So the name of that place was called Tabara because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Verse four, and this is where it's going to get good. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Five, we remember the fish we used to eat free, oh yes, in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now our appetite 
is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Oh, let's read it again. Who will give us, verse 4, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish. Oh, the fish. They were so delicious and flaky. And my son would love this verse, Moses. He's obsessed with fish. He wants to be a professional fisherman. Which we used to eat, keyword here, free in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now, because we're in this wilderness, Moses, because all we have is manna, Moses, our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. Dun, dun, dun. This uh, verse rocked my world. I have studied this passage of scripture a lot over the years. A lot, a lot, a lot. Okay, like a lot. Never have I seen the word free highlighted and illuminated to me like it was illuminated to me through the spirit of the living God a couple of weeks ago. We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Really? Really, Israel? You used to eat them free? I looked up the Hebrew word for free, and this is what it means. Um, free. Without cost. Freely. Innocent. Cost me nothing. For nothing, without wages. All of a sudden, these Israelites are dreaming of the food that they got for free because Egypt was so comfortable and they are forgetting that the payment for the fish, the cucumbers, the leeks, the melons was the labor that they offered to the Egyptians for 400 years. Did they really diminish their freedom in the wilderness? The fact that they were able to move towards the land flowing with milk and honey, did they actually diminish that to melons and leeks and cucumbers that they got for free? Somewhere along the way, Satan had entered and had tempted and had told them, if you just go back to the comfort of Egypt, remember when you got this food for free. They were forgetting what it cost them. Comfort will cost you. Yeah. The fish didn't cost them any money. But they had no freedom. You see how, how the enemy will twist things? He'll highlight something about the bondage that you're living in. Oh, well, yeah, you know, well, at least you know where, at least you know where he's been. At least you know where she's been. At least you know what they're saying. At least you know how to control the narrative here. And he's reminding you of these very menial things that maybe benefit you for a second. And you agree. Yeah, at least I know. At least, yeah, at least. At least I know how to control this. 
But what the enemy is not showing you is the massive amount of bondage that God actually wants you to be delivered from. They're free, Moses. I could eat fish there that cost me nothing. Let me show you from the scripture how they were paying for that fish. Oh, this is going to be good. Here we go. Exodus 3 verse 7 burning bush moment here we go that's the context the lord said to moses i have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in egypt and i have given heed to their cry because of their task masters for i am aware of their suffering now when god says you're suffering you're suffering because we look at jesus who suffered so god knows the context of suffering he knows that they had been suffering for a long time so when god uses the term suffering they're actually suffering verse 8 so i have come to deliver down to deliver them from the power of the egyptians and to bring them up from that into a spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite. Now behold, nine, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. You see, they cried to get out. And once God did that, they started crying to go back. Because in the context, when you're in bondage, you, all you want to do is get out of bondage, but then when you're out of bondage, comfort, the comfort of being in bondage seems to be more bearable than the uncomfortability of the new season. I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. So they were suffering. They were oppressed. I want to read you a text that shows you just how much they actually were oppressed. I want to read this in Exodus 5. It is awesome. And it gives you a good context of what, um, yeah, their fish was free. Congratulations, Israel. Your fish was free. But let me remind you of what you were actually dealing with as you were eating free fish. Verse five, mm, let's pick it up in verse three, five, three. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews had met with us. Um, this is Moses and Aaron having a conversation with Pharaoh. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness. Let us go. We got to go. Let's go to the wilderness. We want to be delivered from this bondage. It's bondage when you're in it, but when you're out of it, it feels comfortable. That we may sacrifice to the Lord. Otherwise, he'll fall he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Again, Pharaoh said and made him mad. Look, the people of the land now are many, and you would have them cease from their labors? What? We've been keeping these people in bondage for 400 years. So, made him mad. The same day, Pharaoh commanded their taskmasters over the people and their foremen saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Well, doesn't that seem uh, fun to do? 
No longer shall you provide the straw, taskmasters. They're going to have to find it for themselves. And this is what they had to do. Uh, But the quota of the bricks, which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. We're not going to decrease the amount of bricks. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to their God. Now, in the bondage, you want out of the bondage. This is exactly what was happening here. They they felt the forceful labor on them. Verse, uh, let's go verse nine. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so they will pay no attention to these false words. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I'm not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourself wherever you can find it. But none of your labor will be reduced. So the people scattered. They scattered because they were terrified. They scattered throughout all the land of Egypt. Why? Why did they scatter? To gather stubble for straw. They were desperate. They knew that they were going to get punished. They knew that their labor was not going to be increased. Well, now it was made even harder. You guys, this is the oppression, just a a small piece of the oppression that Israel was living through as they were in bondage for these 400 years. This is the oppression, okay? This is exactly what they were dealing with. A couple chapters later in Exodus, excuse me, it's actually in numbers, but it is a a short time later. I'll put it like that. I don't know the exact time. I don't want to, I don't want to say something weird to you. Before they had meat, I'll put it like that. Before they had quail, they had manna, they didn't have quail, which was a short time later. They had forgotten that Pharaoh had told them, you have to make the same amount of bricks without straw. When you go to Numbers 11 and you see that they're saying in Egypt, we got fish for free, it's ridiculous to even think about. They're glamorizing bondage because they paid for that fish with their lives. I want to tell, obviously I'm passionate about this. They could have stayed in Egypt, you guys, and got their free fish. They knew how to handle the taskmasters. They probably had relationships with the with good relationships with the Egyptians. I mean, some of them, I'm sure. I'm sure that they were uh, some of some of their taskmasters were nicer people, and some of them weren't. But, but maybe they had developed relationships with them. I don't know. But God wanted to deliver them wholly. He wanted to take them by way of the wilderness to Canaan where they didn't have to make the bricks without straw. And if if they did have to make bricks, it was to build their own homes. He wanted to take them to Canaan where the, the land was so rich they could plant harvest, eat as they wanted. God wanted to deliver them totally. And when we have a perspective like these Israelites did, free fish, it bothers God. 
because he says, look what I brought you from. To that person that's in the wilderness today, and I have another text, but I just really feel like I just want to take a moment and kind of bring this portion of everything home. Maybe you just left in Egypt. I want to tell you right now that leaving something that you know, that you've known, just like Israel, will be incredibly filled with new, different, uncomfortable challenges. I feel like there's someone today that's listening and that is, that is saying, oh, but I remember the way it was back then. I remember what I could get back then. I remember how financially stable I was back then. I remember I didn't have to fight for everything like I'm having to fight right now back then. And you're glamorizing. You're in a season of actually glamorizing what God completely delivered you from. Because what you're facing is hard. I want to remind you. It's in the next chapter. It's literally in. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. It's in the same chapter. <laughs> it's in Hebrews 11. Uh, Numbers 11. Numbers 11. Numbers 11. They were complaining about the free fish. And right after that, God is so gracious that he gave them meat. He gave them quail. I want to encourage you not to glamorize what you remember as comfort because God delivered you from a great bondage. The wilderness is painful. It's hard. It will challenge the very depths of your soul. But it's awesome to see not the Egyptians providing for you, God's hand making quail swell up with a great wind and delivering quail meat right to your tent. Be careful glamorizing the past that God has massively delivered you from. Remember the reality of it and how you cried out to him in the beginning. I want to go to the New Testament. I can't wait to get back to the New Testament, you guys. Like, I'm, I've been in the Old Testament for a long time, and I love all the Testaments. All the Testaments I love. But I want to, I want to bring this home in um, a little bit of a different uh, perspective. Because here we see Jesus. This is in John 5, and this goes right along with it. As a matter of fact, when I was um, just kind of contemplating what exactly I was doing and what how I wanted to bring this to you, I wanted... I wanted to bring in a miracle that Jesus did, and, and he led me directly to this one because I think it's, um, I think in, it's kind of in the same way. It relates very well to Israel getting delivered from Egypt. There's a man in John 5 that was in Jerusalem. Let me just read it to you, John 5, 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsaida, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. 
waiting for the moving of the waters. For the angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water, whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. Verse 5. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition. He said to him, do you wish to be well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet and began to walk. I want to focus on John 5, 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, he'd been lying there for 38 years. He knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you wish to get well? I think this relates because as I look at this verse, why in the world would Jesus ask a man who's been by a pool for 38 years if he wanted to be well? That makes no sense whatsoever, does it? Obviously, the dude is sitting by the pool because he wanted to be well. Obviously, he wanted to get up. Obviously, he wanted to go away. But there was something about uh, to walk away. But there was something about Jesus that instigated. There was something that Jesus saw in him that instigated this question that he wanted answered by this man. Freedom from sickness. And this is what, what the Lord just keeps bringing to my mind. Freedom from whatever this guy was dealing with. Healing was going to cost him comfort. And that's why I think Jesus asked him that question. Do you wish to be well? And why do I think that? Because he had been sitting there for 38 years. He had figured out a way to survive for 38 years. And Jesus knew that if he answered yes and he healed him, then he would have to completely enter a wilderness of learning how to do life a completely 100% different way. For some reason, Jesus thought it was important to get a firm answer from him before he said, get up, take up your mat and walk. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to work. He had to learn to go about society in a completely different way. He wasn't really in society. He was laying by uh, this pool and he was waiting. He was, he was um, probably uh, well known there because he had been there for so long. He knew that if Jesus knew that if he healed this man, he was going to enter a wilderness of things that he would have to learn later in life. He was 38. He was been laying there for 38 years. I don't know exactly how old that he was. He knew that immediately he would enter a wilderness of having to learn how to do something a completely different way. What was going to free his body was going to challenge his mind. Which is why I think Jesus said, do you wish to be well? Because he was comfortable laying there 
He knew how to survive. What he didn't know was how to survive on the other side of healing. He was going to have to learn it. That word well in John 5, 6 means whole. So what he was actually asking that man is, do you wish to be whole? Whole. Healed. I think they parallel really, really well because Israel is begging for their bondage, but once they get out, they want to go back because they just glamorize the fish. It must have been some pretty dang good fish, y'all. I don't even know. (laughs) But they forgot where they had been delivered from. Jesus knew there might be a time, maybe in the coming weeks, where he would forget what he was delivered from. Comfort can be just a pretty form of bondage. I want to encourage those of you guys today that you know you're comfortable. Eddie and I are living in this really fun little life season where we know nothing about nothing. <laughs> it's real fun. And I was sharing the other day at a, at a, a thing I was at. I said, Eddie and I are really um, praying, you know, every day. God, what, what do we do today? What do we do today? What do we do today? What do you want us to do today? I love to know what to do 10 years from now. I just, I think it's, it's fun. I'm like, oh, I know what to expect. The vision of the Lord is coming. But sometimes God doesn't operate like that. Just like in the wilderness, God didn't tell them what they were going to do the next day. If the cloud moved, they moved. They didn't know if the cloud was going to move or not. And that's exactly where Eddie and I are right now. And I said something in this meeting that I was at the other day. And I said, Eddie and I are in this uh, particular situation. And I said, it's not comfortable, but we're free. We're free. You know why we're free? Because we're living by the leadership of God alone. It's not comfortable, but we're free. I encourage you to look at your life. Challenge yourself to live a life of just freedom, wholeness, healing. What does that look like? What is that going to take? It's not going to be comfortable, but you'll be free. My last text is this. John eight thirty six. So if the son of man makes you free, you will be free indeed. He makes you free. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I ask you to instruct whoever's listening today. I ask you, Lord, to guide if they know they're in a place of comfort and they know they need to get out. Guide them, Lord. What do you want for them? Those in the wilderness right now, I pray that you would encourage them to look back and to remind themselves of what they were delivered from and where they're headed. And yes, it's not comfortable, but they're free. Lord, I pray for that person that feels like they're losing heart. Encourage them with your word. 
We love you and we trust you with our journeys. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, um, we are going to have a new friend of mine on, and she is going to give us a personal example of what it's like to walk through a wilderness and come out the other side. You're going to love it. You're going to love her. She's a boss, babe. She's amazing. She loves Jesus. She is it's great. It's going to encourage you because it's a personal life that's gone through this, and um, I think you're going to love it. So. I've got a question for y'all after the break, and um, then we'll wrap up. I'll see you in a sec. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God, while I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, I'm back. Ah, love you so much, so much, so much, so much. So I have a couple of questions. I'm going to choose one of them today, and then we'll, we'll work on the other ones in, in the weeks ahead. But it says, what about the time... When I did think God was moving me in a certain direction, but heartache still came. I think they're actually referring to walking in the wilderness and God is leading me into this new venture. You think it's going to keep you from pain, but it doesn't. God is leading, but it's still, you still encounter trials and you know, whatever it is. Um, Just because God is leading you doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. As a matter of fact, most of the time when I knew for a fact that God was 100% leading me in a specific direction, it always came with massive amount of attack from the enemy, trials, all sorts of things. So actually, when I read your message (laughs) to me, walking with Jesus, as long as I've walked with Jesus and just loving him as much as I do, I would say that the heartache might be confirmation that you're actually walking in the way that God had asked you to walk. I know that sounds weird, but when we choose to obey God, Satan hates it. He hates it. And so as soon as we make a decision to follow Christ in whatever direction it is for our life, he comes in to try to steal that good seed out of that soil. He comes in to sow doubt, to sow frustration, to get us to give up because the way of the cross of Jesus is just too hard. So to me, the way I read that question is you followed the Lord and it got hard. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, look at what Jesus did. He followed God and was crucified. But on the other side of his crucifixion, obviously he was resurrected. I would not give up because of the heartache. I would actually press in harder because to me, that's proof that you're walking in precisely where God would have you go. 
Uh, that's my answer to that. I hope I hope that helps. Okay. This testimony is amazing and I love it so much. I'm gonna just gonna say college. Okay. I'm not gonna be specific because sometimes people get weird about that. Uh, when I was in college, I was convinced after my first year I was not supposed to return. I had a hard time getting the financing for the second year, but I just wasn't convinced that's where I was supposed to be. About a month out for my second year, I still owed $3,000 because before I could officially go to this uh, $3,500, excuse me, before I could officially go to this college, we prayed and prayed. I thought if the money doesn't come, I'm not supposed to be there. The college called me and said they owed me $2,000 a week later. To this day, I have no explanation other than God where this money came from. We didn't tell anyone that no one that I knew donated to the school. I changed my major to women's ministry. What? what? Got into all the classes I needed two weeks out. And met my now husband that year. You guys, come on. That is someone from our community. And that's what God is doing in her life. Come on. Isn't that amazing? That is how God works. He works when things are impossible. The possible things we can do. The impossible things he steps in and does. And he's like, listen, I'm I'm about to blow your mind. And let me tell you something. And so amazing that God provided for her. And then she met her husband because what if she wouldn't have gone? I mean, this is so crazy. I think about this all the time. Um, My father, I think he'd be okay with me telling you this. Um, I went to, when I went to college, he didn't want me to go. He wanted me to wait. And I felt so strongly from the Lord. No, you need to go. You need to go now to college. And so I went to school a semester earlier than my, my dad wanted me to go And if I wouldn't have gone that semester, I would have never met Eddie because he did a mission trip to Germany for seven months. Isn't that amazing? God knows what he's doing. And he directs us so clearly. I love that story. I love you guys. Next week will be the last week of the wilderness. I'm kind of sad to see it go, guys. I'm sad to see it go. But I hope you enjoyed it. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week for a brand new episode of the Autumn Mile Show. Have an awesome week. I'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Mile Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to AutumnMiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Mile Show.